Welcome to Lies Week 6. Three more weeks and it's Christmas. Can you believe it? Three more weeks left in the series and then we're into the Christmas season. We're so glad that you're here. What? I don't know. It's 10 o'clock. I'm juiced. People getting baptized. Okay, so... If you're here this morning, we want to have an opportunity because Wednesday is an unbelievably important day in our nation. Uh, I was not born an American. I was actually born in the country to our north. I had to work hard to become an American citizen. And every single week I sit up here and exercise a right that was protected by a group of people who are here today. So if you are here in this service and you have served in any branch of the United States military, doesn't matter what branch it was, either active or in the past, Would you please stand to your feet so we could honor you as a veteran to say thank you for what it is that you have done? Fantastic. We don't take that for granted around here. We are deeply touched by your service to this country. And I thank you for the opportunity to be able to, to share what I get to share week after week um, in freedom, because I know it costs you something and we appreciate it. What comes to your mind when you hear the term unforgivable? If I stepped on your toe, would you forgive me? How about if I pulled your hair and didn't say I was sorry? Then would you forgive me? What if I totaled your car? What if I totaled your car and you didn't even know that I had your car because actually I stole it first, then could you forgive me? What if, uh, what if I gossiped behind your back and it actually cost you a job? Do you think you could forgive me then? What if I made fun of you publicly from the front just because I felt like it? Could you forgive me for that? What if I hurt one of your kids? What if I hurt them really, really bad? Could you forgive me for that? What if I murdered your best friend? Could you find it in your heart to forgive me then? I'm trying to find out, where's the line of unforgivable for you? I mean, is murder beyond the line? How about rape? How about domestic abuse? I'm not asking if it's wrong. Everything that I've mentioned so far is unbelievably wrong. I'm asking if it's across your line of being forgivable or not. We all have things in our past that we're ashamed of. There's things that that we kind of keep in our closet of shame that we, even though we know God forgives, would still be hard-pressed to say it. I think He can forgive that. I hope. I'm trusting that He might. And those things often cause us to fixate on them. When we look back on them, we review them, we, we see them as this hall of shame behind us. We even use them to try and excuse where we're at today. We struggle with them desperately because we just don't know how to let them go. Even though we know God forgives, we struggle desperately allowing God to heal us and to forgive us completely. We think God forgives everybody else in the room, but my pile of stuff is just a little bit different. If you've ever felt that way, if you've ever struggled, not being able to let something go, not being able to forgive yourself, not being able to forgive another person, not feeling forgiven by God, I'm going to tell you why you've struggled. It's because you've bought this week's lie. This is the lie we're going to talk about this week. It goes like this. Some things just can't be forgiven. Satan loves this lie 
Scripture tells us that the devil's full-time job is to accuse believers. And I don't know how you hear this accusation, but I can tell you how I hear it. It goes like this. Grant, your sin's in a different category. It's just a little blacker, a little more vile, a little bit more evil than everybody else. And if people knew it, nobody would be able to forgive you. The accusation sounds like this sometimes. God couldn't possibly forgive you because you blanked and you just fill in whatever it happens to be. Satan loves to put our stuff in different categories. And when we buy this lie that some things can't be forgiven, what we're really doing is we're questioning whether or not God can really forgive the bad stuff. We know he can forgive the little stuff, right? I forgot to put out my recycling this week. God can cover that, right? No problem, right? Cut somebody off. It's no big deal, you know? I, you know, I, I went to Costco and, and I went to, up to the, to the, the little, uh, you know, sample thing and, and then I went around again and, and again and again and again and again until I had lunch, right? You know, God can cover that, right? I've seen you there, <laughs> right? We know He can cover the little stuff, but what about the bad stuff? What if at some point in your past you walked out on your family? What if somewhere in the past you cheated on your husband or your wife? and you've carried that guilt and that shame for years? What about, what about those of us who maybe stole from our employer, even though they've treated us really well, we just needed something, so we just helped ourselves to it. What, what if we've done the unthinkable in our past? We question, can God really forgive even that? Well, let's do a very quick theology on how forgiveness works from God's perspective as we rip apart this lie. Let me tell you unequivocally, it's the first blank in your outline, God loves to forgive. As a father, God loves to forgive his children when they recognize they've done wrong and they want to make it right. God loves it when broken people recognize their sinfulness and instead of running in the opposite direction, instead run to him in repentance and confession, knowing that what they're going to receive is grace and mercy. God loves to forgive. And this is what amazes me. He loves to hang out with people who need forgiveness. Look at this in Matthew 9. I love this passage. The Pharisees, a group of religious neatniks, they've got the religious rules down, they just haven't got a clue about a relationship with God, and they're struggling with something, and here's the conversation, it says this, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've not come to call the righteous sinners. One of my favorite names that Jesus chooses for himself in all of Scripture is this little name, friend of sinners, because that means he's my friend. Knowing that Jesus is a friend of sinners makes this commentary on him all the more precious. We've heard this verse, if you grew up in the church since you were a little tiny person, my question is, have you heard it so often you don't even know what it means anymore? Let me just say it to you. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God forgives. God is just. God is faithful. God wants to wash our souls as white as snow. Scripture says God loves to forgive Now, when it comes to forgiveness, anytime I talk about it, there's a little biblical sticking point where some people just go, but uh, what about that one sin that can't be forgiven? Let's talk about that, okay? 
Let's talk about the fact there's only one unpardonable sin. I listed scriptures in here. Matthew 12 is where Jesus talks about it. Mark 3 is where he talks about it. I also placed John chapter 3, verses 18 and 36 there, because whenever you look at a, a doctrine of any kind, you've got to look at the whole totality of scripture. Otherwise, you end up in deep weeds. You just pull out a section, you can freak yourself out completely, okay? I listed the scriptures there so you can go back and look at them. Now, this is a tough one because so many people misunderstand the context of the unpardonable sin. And I don't have time to unpack the theology of it, but I'm going to say this. If you're here today and you are terrified because you believe you may have committed the unpardonable sin, this is what I have to say to you. If you're here today and you're still breathing You still have a pulse. Respiration is still going in and out of your lungs. If that describes you, you have not passed the point of no return when it comes to blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Let me define the unpardonable sin for you. It's to continuously and adamantly deny the saving grace of Jesus Christ and to carry that denial so deeply within your soul that you're willing to go to your deathbed with that denial on your lips. That's unpardonable. Because once you cross the line of death, you're done. Stick it a fork in him, Margaret. He's finished, right? You're done. After that point, you can't ask God for forgiveness. And dying in your sin, that's unpardonable. That's unbelievably heavy. And some of you are just like, whoa, there's an answer to it too. Accept the grace of Jesus now. That's the answer. One of my favorite commentators put it this way. He said, many people have wondered if they've committed the unpardonable sin. Surely what Jesus is speaking about here is not an isolated act, but a settled condition of the soul. The result of a long history or repeated and willful act of sin. And if the person involved cannot be forgiven, it is not so much that God refuses to forgive as it is the sinner refuses to allow him. Every couple of months it happens. I'm on my way into the parking lot and somebody jumps out of their car and they've got this fear all over them and they're just like, I think I committed the unpardonable sin. Are you a pastor? Can we talk about this? And they freak out when I smile at them. I said, just think about it. Your conscience is so bothered by the fact that you did something you don't think is in alignment with what God wanted, that you got in your vehicle, drove to a church parking lot, walked in the door looking for a pastor that you don't know. My friend, you're on a quest for Jesus. And that is so unbelievably pardonable. You're in the perfect spot. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's walk through the gospel. It's an amazing moment because they can be forgiven. The third part of our little theology of forgiveness is that the love of God overwhelms our past sin. Whenever you get stuck on the top of the pile of your old sin, you need to remember Romans 8, 38 and 39. The Bible says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, when we get fixated on it, when the devil keeps pointing us back to it, we need to be able to say, I am convinced that not even this satanic accusation can keep me from the love of God. It's too compelling. It's too strong. It conquers all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Amen?
what it is. So in a nutshell, here's the truth that combats the lie. The lie that says some things just can't be forgiven. The truth is this about God's forgiveness. God forgives freely, lovingly, and completely. When God forgives, you are forgiven. I'm going to make it practical. Everything I'm going to mention in the next couple of seconds are serious but forgivable. Abortion, greed, lust, murder, lying, gossip, disobedience, apathy. The list goes on and on and on and on. All of them serious. All of them so serious, Jesus had to die to cover them. But forgivable. We hear the list and we go, I'm a sinner. Yes, you are. Here's the good news. Jesus said he was a friend of sinners. I'm going to climb up on one of my favorite soapboxes right now. If you've been coming to CTK for any length of time, about four times a year, I come around and hit this one because it's the one roadblock that I see so many believers get stuck at. They finally accept, okay, God forgives me, but it never gets translated into forgiving anybody else. I want us to know something. God's forgiveness and your ability to forgive those who've hurt you are tied together inextricably in Scripture. You can't separate them. So let's ask a question. Where do I start in forgiving others? Well, some of you are not going to like this one. If you're carrying a grudge this morning, a grievance, you're angry, you've been nursing something, and it may be very justified because it was really, really bad. I'm not judging your pain. What you need to know is this, okay? You ready for it? Here it comes. You must accept that as a follower of Jesus, forgiveness is not an option, it's a requirement. Ooh, it got quiet. It's a requirement. The Bible says in Matthew 6, at the end of one of the most famous prayers, forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I already know the response of some people. You don't know what they did to me. You have no idea what I've been through. That verse can't possibly mean what it, verse, what, what it really, really means there. Come on, pastor. You take it and Greek it or Hebrew it or do whatever you need to. But you make that change. I can't said it before, I'm going to say it again. You are only called to forgive to the same level that it took for Jesus to forgive you. How much is that? It's a lot. Jesus lived to forgive, loved to forgive, and He died to forgive. And if He can forgive you, He asks you to forgive, no matter what it was. No matter how many tears have been cried over it, no matter how much pain was there, because here's the deal. If you choose not to forgive, the only person that's dying is you. It's you. Let's take another step. Forgiveness starts with looking at how much God forgave you. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's what it says. 
I think God knows what He's talking about, even when we don't like it. A couple of years back in 2007, we did a whole teaching on forgiveness. I went back through my notes because I, I borrowed a piece of stuff from my friend Mark down in Seattle. And Mark had a list of things that forgiveness is and forgiveness is not. And he did such an amazing job that, that I, I just took the section with permission, stuck it. I'm going to review it today because I think it's important for us to know. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. We don't forget when we've been hurt. I don't know about your wounds, but my wounds have a long memory. And, and if, if you just quickly move on, you often learn, lose the lesson that you were being taught during that time. I mean, Jesus doesn't come with a side of amnesia. It doesn't work that way. It's not forgetting. You, you're not just supposed to just, I'm not going to think about it anymore. It's not forgetting. Secondly, forgiveness is not diminishing. It's not saying that what happened didn't matter or that it didn't hurt. It did matter. It did hurt. It's not making something smaller. Now, when we don't diminish something, what we're really doing is we get an agreement with God and we say that what happened, it did hurt. It was painful. It was sin. And when we get an agreement with Him over that significant fact, we actually are able to, to agree with this fact. There's no such thing as a small or insignificant sin, especially when it's affected you. I mean, all of sin is big. Think about this. All of sin... The smallest ones and the big ones, all of them contributed to Jesus' death. That's why he came to die. So it's not diminishing. Thirdly, it's not overlooking. It's not pretending it didn't happen. It's not sweeping it under the rug. I mean, that never helps anybody, does it? It's also not denying. Forgiveness is not lying about the fact that it actually happened. And we do that, don't we? I'm just going to believe it never happened. It's going to make my life easier. Why? I mean, if it happened, Scripture says it needs to be dragged out of the shadows, kicking and screaming into the light because the light is where Jesus is and that's where He can heal and touch and restore and put it all back together again. It's also not condoning. So many people fall into this false idea that if I forgive somebody who hurt me, that somehow I'm letting them off the hook, that I'm condoning what they did. That is so far from the truth. The sin is still there. It still happened. But by forgiving, what you're saying is you're not going to allow it to hold you hostage any longer. You're not going to be in the prison of pain anymore. You're going to allow God to set you free. Forgiveness is also not momentary and instantaneous. I mean, I have learned in my life, forgiveness is a process. Sometimes you've got to choose to forgive day after day, moment after moment. I mean, forgiveness is not a band-aid that you just stick on your soul to cover up a bullet hole. That's not what forgiveness is. It can take time, lots of conversation, years of counseling, processing, reading the Word, hours of prayer. But my question to the family of Christ the King is, are you working on it? Are you actually working on that process of forgiveness, knowing that Jesus forgave you? Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you're going to be in a relationship with them. It doesn't mean you're even going to have to be anywhere even close to them. In fact, as the truth comes out, I mean, let's just be real. They may still have to go to jail for what they did. It doesn't mean you're going to be in relationship with them. But the question is this, have you forgiven the fact that trust was broken. I see this often with married couples. I have husbands sitting in my office and they're devastated because they did the unthinkable. And they always ask this question, how do I win back trust 
How do I earn forgiveness from a person that I've hurt? And I say the same thing to them. You know how you earn back trust? You do the right thing for a very, 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 very long time. That's what you do. If I just describe what forgiveness is not, then what is it? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Forgiveness is when we release a person from our judgment. We just say, I'm going to let God deal with you. I needed to check it again this week, so I went back in my Bible, opened it up. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. None of our names are in that sentence. I checked. Because wouldn't it be fun if it was, right? Vengeance is grants. Everybody's going to pay, right? It doesn't say that. When we forgive, we say, I'm going to trust God to do what He's going to do in His good time, and I'm not going to keep score anymore. That's a hard thing. What else is forgiveness? It's choosing not to punish. I mean, the reality is we could punish. In fact, it may even feel momentarily good to make somebody hurt just a little bit. But in the end, but in the end, we've got to make a decision to to not punish for the simple reason that God could have punished us and He chose not to. What did He say on the cross? Father, punish them. Forgive them. They don't have a clue what they're doing. Forgiveness is also refusing to harbor an offense. 1 Corinthians has an amazing little description of love. And if it's a description of love, it's a description of God because the Bible says God is love. The Bible says that, that love keeps no record of wrongs. That means when we forgive somebody, that means we're going to hand over our membership badge as the curator of our own pain museum. That we're going to surrender the files of all of the offenses that have ever been committed against us. That we're just going to turn it over. I'm going to tell you something that happens to curators of pain museums. You end up in a place worse than a pain museum. You end up in a jail. You end up in the jail of bitterness. And eventually you just become hard and crusty. And if you're not careful, you can die that way. So you have a decision to make today. Are you going to keep track or are you going to be like Jesus and keep no record of wrongs? The decision's up to you. Forgiveness is also giving mercy when none is deserved. I mean, the Bible says, freely you have received. Freely give. You got forgiveness, give it. What else is it? Forgiveness is setting our, our free, our offender, and ourselves. When I choose to forgive, I choose to be and to act like Jesus. I choose to treat those who've hurt me like Jesus treated me when I hurt him. And if you don't think you've ever hurt him, if you have one sin in your life, you hurt him so much that he needed to die to cover it. The Bible says there's a freedom promised for those who are willing to be like Jesus and talk like Jesus and act like Jesus and forgive like Jesus. And finally, Forgiveness is ongoing. Sometimes you've got to choose to forgive day after day, moment after moment, over and over again. Not because the person needs the repeated forgiveness, but because you need to go through the process of fully releasing and fully trusting and fully letting your grievance go. As our baptismal people are slipping out the door, getting ready to be baptized in just a moment, we're going to transition to one last piece. Because here's my experience. Okay, God forgives me. I, I, I get that. That's good. 
Okay, because God forgives me, I should forgive people that have hurt me. Ugh. That's harder, but okay, I can do that. And then comes the question. What about forgiving yourself? What about opening the door of that shame closet that you locked shut years and years and years ago and inviting Jesus in there to the point where you'd actually be able to forgive yourself for stuff that you did decades ago or days? We all have a common struggle. The common struggle is in forgiving ourselves. Let me make a bold statement. I believe it needs to be said. If you struggle with, if you struggle with forgiving others, it's often because you've never forgiven yourself. Only way you can forgive yourself is if God helps you. Because He needs to overwhelm that past sin. You know, of all the people in the Bible that would have struggled with forgiving themselves, it had to be the Apostle Paul. I mean, we think the Paul, wow, missionary. Yeah, before Paul was a missionary, he was a murderer. He killed and persecuted Christians for fun. I hear his heart breaking when I hear the words in 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16 that says this. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save the wonderful, squeaky clean, 10 o'clock believers at Christ the King Community Church who drive nice cars and shop at Walmart and have everything together. Is that what it says? Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His unlimited patience as an example for those who believe on Him and receive eternal life. The key to forgiving yourself is to be absolutely fixated on the grace that's offered by the friend of sinners and not getting stuck on the pile of stuff that he already forgave. I mean, Paul sticks his hand up and goes, you want to know who the worst of sinners is? Let's go right here. You want to know who the worst of sinners is in the room? Let's go right here. You know, and we're all probably thinking, yeah, should probably put my hand up too. Right? And yet Paul says, not only am I the worst of sinners, I'm also an amazing example of how patient and loving and forgiving God is. And when you end up with both hands in the air, there's only one place to go with that, and that's to worship the God that forgives. Amen.